and welcome to HR After Dark, solving the people problems that keep you up at night. And we have a special guest today. Um, it is Sheila Willis. She is an employment and labor attorney with Fisher Phillips. Sheila, welcome. Hey, welcome everyone. Well, thanks so much. I know that we're talking about um, some pretty important topics today that all employers are thinking about and they want to know. And it's the uh, legislation that's in response to the coronavirus. So I want to talk about um, the the impact this may have to employers. And this is, to my knowledge, it's employers with less than 500 employees. Is that right? Yes, it is. And so that's, um, well, first, before we start talking about it, it's really important to know that like with all things with the coronavirus, this is a dynamic and constantly changing situation. This law is not yet in effect. It is currently um, has been passed by the House of Representatives. The Senate has been looking at it, looking at changing various aspects of it. So we're going to be talking about a version that is currently in effect. Um, please make sure you're looking at the um, notes for the episode as we'll update it if it changes um, because we could report this and then tomorrow it'd be something different. Absolutely. And there's actually even an, an FAQ that's listed on the Fisher Phillips website and constant uh, legal alerts that whenever there is new information, it is posted. Um, and I know that with Willis HR, we're sharing updates um, daily or multiple times a day. Um, so let's let's just get into it. So what does this really, like give us high level, what does this mean for employers? So briefly high level, this law is going to have two main components. One of them is going to provide an additional type of FMLA leave. Um, and the other is going to provide an additional paid sick leave. So the really important thing to note is both of these, as of right now, apply to employers with 500 employees or less. Now, the interesting thing about FMLA, the, the let's call this the emergency FMLA portion, is this does not have the same requirements of eligibility that other um other aspects of FMLA does. So the traditional FMLA requires that the person be employed with you for 12 months or 1250 um, hours. You only have to have, you have to have 50 employees before this takes place and there's the geographic things to consider. This emergency FMLA leave really just says the person needs to have been employed with you for 30 calendar days prior to this law going into effect. So employers that typically did not have to pay attention to FMLA leave or who have employees that historically may not be eligible for FMLA leave because of their time in service, they're now going to potentially be covered under this new law. So it's really, really important to make sure we know what that looks like. And I know that under FMLA, um, you're, you're given up to 12 weeks of job protection leave. Um, is that correct? So is that still the same with this new legislation? So no, the interesting thing about this that differs from FMLA in a couple of different ways. So one, this leave is paid, mm -hmm. whereas traditional FMLA leave is unpaid. Um, FMLA leave traditionally is, like you said, the 12 weeks, and mm -hmm. you can do it intermittently or you can do it in blocks. As of right now, it looks like this FMLA 
is going to be in in blocks of time. There's no there's not going to be any intermittent. It's, it's concurrently. About it. it's okay. Be. And this FMA leave also cannot go into effect. Um, well, the excuse me, the first 10 days of it are unpaid and the employee can elect to substitute paid leave if they have it. But the employer is not required to do a substitution of paid leave. And so subsequent days are going to be paid at two thirds of the regular rate of pay from hours that are normally scheduled. Um, if the schedule varies, they're going to use the average of six months before that. However, there is a cap of $200 a day and $10,000 in the aggregate per employee. And now that we're talking about money and mm -hmm. paying for this, let's take a slight detour and talk about how employers are supposed to pay for this, right? Okay, because we all want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. This is a very sudden and I'll just be frank, scary thing for a lot of employers, especially those employers with less than 500, 500 employees. Yes. So what the law has built in is that employers are going to get a dollar for dollar Social Security tax credit for this. So while there may be cash flow in the issues in the short term, when you go to pay your Social Security taxes in the quarter, you're going to get a dollar for dollar credit. Okay. For so and that's that's really good to hear. I think those are some of the concerns that we're hearing from you know our clients as well. Is how do we how do we even afford this? Right. Okay. That that completely makes sense. Um, well, I want to I want to learn a little bit more about eligibility. Can an employee just say, "Hey, I, I want this paid." FMLA, FMLA, this emergency FMLA now. So the with the FMLA and this emergency FMLA, the notice is as soon as practicable. And anyone right. who's dealt with the FMLA knows that, mm -hmm. who knows what that means, right? Yeah, exactly. It's going exactly. to vary um, very frequently. But what's interesting about this version of the emergency FMLA leave, the current version, again, this could change, is it's only eligible if the employee is unable to work or telework due to the need to care for a son or daughter under the age of 18 if their school or place of care has been closed due to the public health emergency. Now, it's important to note that other versions of this bill, I believe the original one that was passed, had the traditional FMLA care requirements. So you could use it to care for yourself or for a family member that was affected by COVID-19, coronavirus, however you want to um, categorize, it. categorize it. So it's really important to keep watching these mm -hmm. changes and permutations because one of the current versions now is just taking care of someone that's um, eight, a child or mm -hmm. excuse me, your son or daughter that's under the age of 18. Now we're seeing reports even as late as this evening that is saying that the Senate may pass the House's original version. So that could all change too. Yeah, no, that completely makes sense. You even mentioned about telework though, because a lot of our clients with Willis HR, they're actually moving to a work from home option, right? So let's say, you know, hypothetically, um, I know the schools are closed presently um, across South Carolina. Well, but they have the option to work from home. So would they still be eligible for this, this emergency FMLA? The way that it's written is if the employee can telework, then no. But um, there have been versions where the employee may say, I am, you know, too sick to telework. 
and then maybe they could qualify. But under this current version, if they can telework, that's not that's not going to be something that's eligible. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I think it easily pivots to the 80 hours of paid sick leave, which is, you mentioned earlier, is the other section um, of this act that, that we're discussing at this point, right? So um, now this is for employers with, with less than 500 employees. That's right now. So do we have to provide 80 hours of paid sick leave? So right now, the way that the law is written, if it should become enacted, is for full-time employees, there are 80 hours that should be provided. If they're part-time, it's the number of hours the employee works on an average over two weeks. And if the schedule varies, then you're going to be looking at the six months. This one also has a cap for different levels of people. So you could have 511 per day or 5,100 in the aggregate for a person that is subject to a federal, state, or local quarantine or isolation due to COVID-19. If the employee has been advised by a healthcare provider to self-quarantine or if the employee is experiencing symptoms of COVID-19 and seeking a medical diagnosis. Now, if there there's also a $200 per day cap and 20, or excuse me, $2,000 in aggregate per person, if the employee is um, taking this leave to care for an individual covered under the, um, they're mm-hmm. subject to federal and state local quarantine, or they've been advised by a healthcare provider to self-quarantine, if their son or daughter's school or place of care has been closed, or if the employee is experiencing any other substantially similar condition that's specified um, in the law. So a couple of different ways that it happens. Um, It's also important to note that both of these laws are set to sunset December 31st, 2020. Now, what does that mean? So I've heard sunset. Sunset sunset means that the law will automatically stop being in effect without Congress having to do anything else. So it will just go away. So that's really important with the sick leave, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not going to carry over. Um, It is is available in addition to such paid leave that's currently provided. Now, that's a very, very important distinction. When and if this goes into effect, the employer cannot change the paid leave that they already have in place. So if they don't have anything in place, then that's fine. They're just going to add this on there. But say you already have paid leave policies. Say that you decided since this was going on, you were going to enact paid leave. And maybe you decided on your own that you were going to offer 40 hours, 80 hours, that sort of thing. This is going to be in addition to what you've already done. And employers cannot substitute or change their policy once this comes out. Okay, so this is an addition to what you, your policy already mandates, whatever you've already shared with your employee base. Yes, and even if that. it's a recent change, it's an addition to. Okay, and you and you may have this answer. This may be something that's still you know up for uh, debate. But so can we use this? Um, so both the emergency FMLA and the paid sick leave are they going to work? You know, back to back? Are they going to work together? So that's interesting. It's not super clear yeah, right. Um, how those are going to work. Um, it's also not super clear how the um, 
emergency FMLA and the actual FMLA are going to kind of work together. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that um, that shakes out. Mm -hmm. But um, It continues to play out. Yeah. And, and I think that you've hit on this too, is that it's this is ever evolving. And so we are all in this together. We as, I know that, you know, you're an attorney, I'm an HR professional, and then we have obviously other professionals and, and employers that we're really just trying to figure this all out and do the best we can. Um, and I know that obviously there was good intent, right? It's to ultimately protect um, the employee base and hopefully give compensation uh, to those that are impacted, negatively impacted by coronavirus. Um, unfortunately, it may also cause some concern or hesitation to small business owners. Um, so that, that's really where we're at right now. I know there will continue to be updates on the Fisher Phillips website. Um, Willis HR is providing free resources, um, even a remote worker policy. Uh, that's a standard template um, on our website as well as as, as well as other um, policies and documents that will be helpful uh, through navigating just really these uncharted waters. Um, any other advice or any other information that, that you can share with us, Sheila, um, for the small business owners and nonprofits that are listening? So the one thing I will say, at least for the emergency FMLA leave portion, is there is a potential carve out for employers to request a exemption from it such that they, um, from the Department of Labor. There's been no formula for that. We don't know if how quickly the Department of Labor would act on such a request, but you can do that. And then one other thing that I would note um, especially for small business owners with the emergency FMLA leave. With typical FMLA leave, the, the big benefit and banner of FMLA leave is it's job protected leave, such that if you go out, your job is going to be there when you come back. The current version of the law provides that if an employer has 25 employees or less, mm -hmm. they do not have to guarantee job protection. Now, there are some different uh, categories and things uh, related to that and exemptions, but that is something that small business owners can take in comfort as they're um, looking at this very tall order of, you know, suddenly providing this type of leave. Absolutely. And I know that employees that are either, you know, laid off or possibly placed on furlough, they can apply for uninsurance or I'm sorry, unemployment benefits as well. And I know that there have been some other or coming down the pipeline, other updates that will um, assist in making sure that those benefits are applied. Um, do you know anything else about unemployment benefits that um, are coming our way, even from a South Carolina perspective? So um, the South Carolina Department of Employment Workforce actually today released kind of a fact sheet about unemployment policies. And the, the status of unemployment is actually not going to be much different. Employees mm -hmm. or right. um, individuals that find themselves without employment or who are underemployed, which is something that a lot of folks don't necessarily attribute or think about in terms of unemployment, are still going to be able to apply for unemployment benefits. Um, there are some interesting considerations in terms of whether there will be a charge to employers, you know, mm -hmm. if you have someone that files unemployment 
Um, there are consequences on the employer side in terms of what your taxes look like and that sort of thing. There is discussion about how that may be changed or mm -hmm. reduced um, in light of uh, coronavirus and, and the, the unfortunate impact that this is having on um, businesses and employees. Absolutely. No, you make a good point. And I, I think I even, you know, read as early as today is that they're, they're working on trying to make sure that there isn't an increased um, tax rate to the employer if there is, are several employees that are filing for unemployment. So it, it's understandable because it is impactful um, to small businesses and honestly businesses of, of every size. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing that information. I'm sure that we'll have you back in, in future podcasts. But if there's anything else that you want information on, please feel free to visit the Fisher Phillips website. They are employment and labor attorneys. And then also, I am an HR consultant with Willis HR. Feel free to visit willishr.com. We are going to continue to upload and post additional resources. But ultimately, our goal right now is really to just help uh, the businesses our neighbors, our community locally. And if you have any questions at all, please don't hesitate to reach out. And we wish you a very good night.